Welcome to LilyPod Episode 1, The Silent Majority. Welcome to our first edition of LilyPod. This is Jeff and Kathy Teichert. We've been married three years and met five years ago as mid-singles, where we each spent the better part of a decade. We are members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and certified life coaches. If you are a mid-single member, we welcome you, and if not, we still think our podcast will have value for you, so stick around. My name is Kathy Butler Teichert. For the last 20 years, I've been a Suzuki violin teacher and a string quartet musician playing for hundreds of weddings. And I'm Jeff Teichert. Uh, for 26 years, I've been a practicing attorney, and that's taken me a lot of different places. I'm, I like to call myself a professional problem solver uh, with a unique balance of both the warrior and healer energy you need to be a successful attorney. Um, I'm also a returned missionary and served in the Australia Brisbane Mission from 1986 to 1988, one of the great experiences of my life. We are also, together, the founders of Love in Later Years. It's an organization designed to minister to mid-singles and remarried adults. We encourage personal development and creating uh, joyful and meaningful relationships. We spent the last year writing a book together entitled Intentional Courtship, A Mid-Singles Guide to Peace, Progress and Pairing Up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which will come out in print and ebook editions this fall. So watch for that. During our mid-single years, we each felt like a minority in our church. And it was our observation that most mid-singles felt isolated and singled out as different from married members. Little did we know that we were in all in a class that was becoming and now is the majority of our adult members. President Ballard and Elder Gong both cited that statistic in their talks at General Conference, April 3rd, 2021, that more than 50% of our adult members are either divorced, widowed, or not yet married. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, five years old in kindergarten, the President of the United States was Richard Nixon. And he used to talk about the great silent majority. And what he meant by that was all of those Americans who go to work every day, who pay their taxes, who raise families, who are busy people and don't make their voices heard much in politics. And we think of the mid-singles, perhaps, as the great silent majority in the church. Uh, many contributing members, very busy people m much of the time. Uh, single parents can be some of your unsung heroes but they don't make their voices heard uh, as often as maybe would be best for themselves and for the church. And uh, we may not feel comfortable speaking up for various reasons. Why are we silent? One reason is because we're busy and we have a lot on our minds and on our plates. Mid-singles tend to be that way and uh, have a lot going on. Also, another reason is because we may not feel comfortable speaking up. We may be sitting in a meeting and not feeling comfortable with what we have to share. 
we just plain aren't present sometimes because many mid-singles have uh, become less active in the church, uh, not feeling like they fit in or for various other reasons. Some reasons why mid-singles become less active is uh, they're dealing with a lot of um, painful emotions and sometimes some bitterness from a divorce or a really painful end of a relationship that meant a lot to them. Uh, I know in the early stages, my emotions were very raw and uh, that didn't make me necessarily less active, but I, I did feel like I didn't get a lot of understanding at church. And, and that was a disappointment because uh, at all other phases of my life, when I had needed it, the church had been there for me. But I think many people, uh, many of our members don't know exactly what to say or how to interact with mid-singles, uh, particularly those who are going through deep pain from something like a divorce or the loss of a spouse to death uh, and that kind of thing. And so I think sometimes they kind of steer clear of you. You've heard the expression, or at least many have heard the expression, that people kind of avoid divorcees, uh, afraid that they will catch the disease. And uh, of course, it's not passed along that way, but I did feel that way sometimes. I think often it's because they don't know what to say. And uh, often they don't because they haven't been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I got that sense. And then, you know, there were rumors, I guess, that went around uh, in, in the ward that I was in, um, really from people who should have known better than to believe such things. And they were normally, you know, it's kind of the old expression that those who know don't talk and those who talk don't know. And it really was kind of like that. Um, the people who were closest to it weren't talking, but there were people that were sort of guessing. And I've noted particularly that men can be treated with suspicion when they're getting divorced. Women tend to be treated with compassion. Although I've heard other women ex express this like, well, maybe it's less compassion and more pity. And they don't want to be pitied. And I understand that. I don't want to be pitied either. Uh, but I think we tend to really elevate the the woman, and at least in our sympathy and and in our pity, and we tend to treat our men who are divorced with suspicion. And I've learned we really don't need to do that. It's not our place to judge uh, who's at fault in a divorce if the people are in our family or in our ward. It's our responsibility, really, to just love both people through it and to have genuine compassion uh, regardless of who people think was at fault or what you know there's always two sides of the story but it, it isn't even our responsibility to try to flesh all that out that's really between the couple it's so that's something important for us to remember when we think about it we don't like at least i don't like being talked about in bishopric meeting and I have felt at times like, uh, you know, I, I've been in a Sunday school presidency since I was divorced. Before I was divorced, I was in a young men's presidency and through many other callings as well, have had reason to attend ward council. And 
you know, you'll sometimes hear people talked about who are getting church welfare and people making editorial comments about how they made bad financial decisions and put themselves in this place and things like that. And I, I, I'm not comfortable with that, but I think some people actually drift away from the church because they don't want to be talked about in Bishop Brick meeting or out in the foyer in whispered tones and things like that. And I think generally people mean well and they're trying to help, but it can be very awkward. Right. We can sometimes try to help in the church by being a little paternalistic or questioning each other's judgment and think that, well, we're just giving good, good counsel. And we have to be really careful not to be condescending or think that because we have the gospel truth that we know the answer to every com complicated human problem. Right. Uh, another uh, issue with uh, members who've become less active as mid-singles is the transition to celibacy from marriage um, for those who are divorced or widowed um, may not feel worth it. It's harder than anyone can imagine unless they've been through it themselves. Yeah, it was a very difficult thing for me. I remember asking a former mission companion of mine about it, and I told him I hadn't been with my wife that way for five months. And he said, oh, man, I know how you feel. One time I went almost a year. And I said, weren't you divorced for nine years? <laughs> he said, oh, don't start counting on your fingers. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a good person, and he's sealed in the temple to a subsequent wife now. And uh, But I'm, you know, I think that transition is very hard for people. And I know it was for me. I, it's interesting. I think when you're married and you have access to that part of yourself, uh, it can be taken for granted. And then when it's just gone indefinitely for years, it is so different. And you don't know when it's going to be available to you again because, you know, you don't know for sure who and when you're going to, to remarry. It's quite indefinite. And so you you feel at middle age at least like your really good, healthy, vigorous years are kind of slipping away and you know, you're not able to spend that part of yourself at that time and it it feels lonely and isolating. And you know, sometimes we got sort of judgy lectures from people about now be sure to keep the law of chastity and um you know, we know the law of chastity still applies when we're middle-aged, but uh, that doesn't make it easy. And we have to we have to be very honest about that and acknowledge it. Uh, Jesus Christ didn't ask us to follow him only when it's easy or convenient. He asked us to follow him even when it's hard. But uh, But that is one of the issues. I also think that many people, for one reason or another, could be child support obligations, they fall behind if they're, uh, if they're going through financial trouble. But for one reason or another, can't get a temple recommend. And some people fall away thinking, well, if I can't get, go to the temple anyway, I, why am I keeping the law of chastity? Not justifying that, but just explaining what I think some, some people think um, as they're thinking through how active in the church they want to be after a, a divorce. I would also introduce a final point 
that we're a family-oriented church, uh, which and we may feel less relevant in the church or that the church is less relevant to us as we adjust to a less traditional family. We show up to church events uh, where families are sitting at tables at a, at a ward dinner or something like that. And maybe our kids are with our former spouse that night and we don't really want to show up and you know, try to find a, another family to sit with or something like that. And we feel awkward. I remember because I have joint custody with my former spouse and my, my children's dad would have them sometimes on Sundays or for activities. And other times I would have them. Uh, it was an interesting dynamic for sure to show up sometimes with me and my young boys, and then sometimes just me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that uh, feels strange to a lot of people. Now, to be fair, I think sitting alone in church, uh, which I did for many years, uh, sometimes with my kids, sometimes without my kids, but I, that was really the least of my concerns but when you sort of mix that all in together with all the aspects of being a traditional family uh, church and culture, being the, the divorced one can feel a little isolating. Well, I personally didn't mind sitting alone. Uh, I go to church to worship. I go there to feed my spirit. And so that part didn't matter so much. It's uh, more the transitions that are that can be uh, can be challenging until you figure it out. And I know I got into a, a rhythm with attending the mid single adult ward when my kids were gone, and then going to my family ward when they were with me. And that was that was actually kind of a nice trade off. I figured out how it worked well for me. You know, one time uh, when there was a, a woman in my dad's and, and ma mother's home ward uh, and her husband hadn't been to church in a few weeks there. And my dad simply asked about him and it was an innocent question. He wasn't implying anything. And she said, uh, he's gone. And he said, Oh, is he on a trip? And she said, he's just gone. And my dad kind of felt like he had stepped in it. And this is one of the things that, you know, makes it a little awkward at times to be in a traditional family church uh, when you're going through something like that. People do feel uncomfortable and like they maybe they've made a mistake around you or something like that. And uh, oddly enough, I mean, I ended up dating this woman that my dad made that mistake with. Uh, and, you know, she never took it personally or anything like that. Uh, although I think he worried about that. Uh, until I was able to reassure him that she didn't. So interesting, interesting time of life. Definitely. We have so much compassion for all of these concerns and plenty more that we may not have thought of for this podcast, but we think that it is worth living a covenant life despite all of the challenges associated with it. Uh, we came up with five good reasons to stay on the covenant path and to start speaking up. One, there are more 
mid singles than we thought. And they're more than there ever has been before. And there are strength in numbers. Right. It's a matter of getting connected. And uh, we've said this before to many of the people who we speak with that Kathy and I met on Facebook in a group for mid singles. And that's one way of meeting people. There are a variety, but there are a, a lot of uh, mid singles groups, Latter day Saint mid singles groups on Facebook. And sometimes we think we're the only one out there that's going through a particular thing like a divorce or, or being widowed or whatever. And if we really understood, there are so many more of us than we ever knew. And a second point related to that is that means there are more opportunities to date within the church than there ever have been in the past. And that's a very hopeful thing. If you, if you want to make a good relationship and eventually get remarried, I know when I, I was married at 26 and then I was over 40 uh, when my former wife and I split up. And, you know, there's a big difference between 26 year olds and 40 somethings uh, in terms of just maturity and where you're at in life. And of course, I hadn't been connected to dating for more than a decade and a half. And I was honestly worried. Part of it was self-esteem issues from the divorce, but part of it was just, I didn't hardly know anybody in the church that had ever been divorced before I was. And so I, I thought, well, there's going to be hardly any church members out there. What if the very few that there are won't want to date me? You know, I had all these fears and concerns. And I was pleasantly surprised, even when I was in Texas, living in Midland, Texas, which is five hours away from anything and everything, how many single women there were for me to date within reasonable driving distance. And and, you know, in Utah, there are, of course, uh, mid-singles everywhere. But wherever you are in the church, there are more opportunities to date within the church than you may realize. And, and part of that's a matter of getting out there and finding them. But, but there are plenty of opportunities that way. That's right. Jeff and I both met a lot of great people in our mid-singles. And uh, it was a really good experience uh, for us. And we, we focused on those opportunities yeah, it was, I, I mean, really, I, I dated some very outstanding women, and some of them have remarried, and and I'm happy for them. But uh, I know there's still a lot more great people out there, and unfortunately, many new divorcees every day and people getting widowed, so. Yep, definitely great people out there to meet. Uh, our third good reason for staying on the covenant path and speaking up uh, in our church is that eternal blessings of being sealed in the temple are just as real now as they were in our 20s. Yeah, I think sometimes we can get feeling kind of like, well, you know, I tried to follow the plan and the program and get have an eternal marriage, but that kind of got blown all to heck. Uh, because I got divorced. And Kathy and I married when she was 38 and I was 50. And, you know, our ceiling is just as real, just as valid 
our opportunity for exaltation together in the celestial kingdom is just as great as for a freshly returned missionary of 23 years old and his bride of roughly the same age. So it's, it's, uh, it's still a, a huge blessing to, to have a sealing ordinance, even if it was your second marriage or third marriage for that matter, whatever it was. If you have a sealing in place and you have a good marriage and you, you honor your covenants the best you can and and avail yourself of the grace of Jesus Christ, you can be afforded the same blessings in the eternities as those who are only married once in their 20s and it lasts for their lifetime. Right. And that is the beauty of finding love in our later years is that I was just thinking in the grand scheme of things, in an eternal perspective, we're young. <laughs> right. We're we're as young as ever. I, you know, it, it seems like it took us forever to find each other in this life. It, it was a long road. At least that's how it felt here. But in the grand scheme of things, it really is um, all very much the same once it's, you know, once we're on that forever path together. Our financial advisor is fond of saying that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is right now. And of course, he's talking about taking advantage of, of compounding interest uh, as your investments grow over time. But we can apply the same analogy to our relationships yeah, the best time to marry the love of your life might have been 20 years ago, but remember that you are as young today or younger today than you will ever be again in this life. And so, you know, we can't go back to our 20s and start over. We have to start where we are, and you're never going to get any younger than you are today in this life. So, that's an important thing to remember that if you want to build a life with someone and have time to really enjoy that, um, staying active in the church, building a covenant relationship and having that sealed in the temple is, is still an enormous blessing. And having said that, uh, we want to add that there is power and strength in our covenants to withstand the turmoil of the last days. Uh, standing in holy places gives us support uh, when we're without a spouse or maybe when we're without a priesthood holder in the home to give blessings and things like that. And I point to our initiatory ordinances and our endowments. Uh, there are certain protections given to us. We're cleansed and we're blessed and we're protected. And, and we are given the gifts that we need to live in turbulent times. I think about, you know, in the apocalypse of Nephi in the Book of Mormon, uh, Nephi talks about how the numbers of the Lord's people in the last days were few because of the wickedness of the great and abominable church. And but it says that the people of God were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. 
And I think that's an enormous promise uh, to those who have been endowed in the temples and given those special blessings and protections. And particularly for mid-singles who are without a partner uh, in this life, it's a, a really good time to develop a relationship with God and allowing him to to really support you in life. Um, when you don't have anyone else to rely on, it's a, a really great comfort and support and strength to have him there. One of the things that attracted me to Kathy is that she was very much in, on a journey of personal development and gaining greater insight, getting to know herself better, getting to know God better. And, you know, she still has her issues just like I do, just like all of us, but she was definitely on a journey to figuring things out and experiencing life more fully as well. And if she hadn't been that kind of person, I probably wouldn't have been interested. And I, I know she would feel the same way in reverse. So I think another reason to stay on the covenant path and to be engaged in an intentional journey like that is you're going to attract someone else who is like that. Uh, someone else who is on that kind of a journey and, and uh, you have a chance for a more meaningful life because of who you're paired with. Right. Um, last but not least, our fifth good reason to stay on the covenant path and start speaking up is that we can give our much needed perspective and compassion as people who have experienced loss and grief. And we can do this in ways that no one else can. Right. And we mentioned bishopric meeting. Sometimes, you know, you might, um, somebody's going through a hard time, they've lost a job or something like that and they need church welfare. And then somebody in the group almost inevitably says, yeah, they were making kind of bad financial decisions. Look at the snowmobiles parked out by their garage or, you know, and there, there can be some judging and some finger pointing and things like that. Or maybe and, even more specifically, there might have been, um, you know, some comments made about a divorce happening. And if that's something you've been through before, uh, and you're in that meeting or you're present and um, you can offer your perspective, it's going to shift things. Right. I mean, whoever people are judging to be right or wrong, you can always speak up and say, we know that nobody's perfect and that people make mistakes, but it's really our role uh, to comfort and sustain each other in in difficult times and, you know, just encourage your fellow saints to be more compassionate, to be more understanding. I felt at times, as I'm sure many of you listening have, that during the most difficult and painful experience of my life that I was being forced to defend myself. And, you know, people giving me advice of things I'd already tried a hundred or a thousand times. People you know, really wanting to know things and pressing me to, well, what about this or what about that? And I just can't even explain. I didn't have the emotional energy to deal with those kinds of questions. 
And I, I have actually known mid-singles who are active in the church now, but who fell away for a time just because they got, they were worn out with answering the questions and trying to, you know, have people, satisfy people that they did the best they could. And for me, my, something I thought of as we have been talking Um, is this compassion that people can have if they've experienced a similar loss um, is that the best uh, comfort and counsel that I ever got was usually from someone who'd been through a divorce before, Um, someone who went out of their way to speak up in my behalf and, and for my benefit to let me know that things would be okay. Now, I couldn't believe them at the time. But just having them say it and having me be able to keep going back to that when it hurts so much was really helpful. Jesus um, learned to minister to us by his suffering and to, to have compassion for us because of what he went through. And because of what we went through, we also can uh, minister to others out of the wellspring of our own pain and grief. And because we share that fellowship with Jesus, uh, although on a much smaller scale, we can learn a little more about how to see people as he sees them and love them as he loves them. So our church and our community needs your voice. You are a great silent majority, and it is time not to be silent anymore. Please allow your voices to be heard in blessing and building the kingdom of God by participating more fully. Any time is the right time for more love in your life. Thanks for listening to Love in Later Years.